podcast late night bull session of the 1960s uh the take sellers we got we got to figure out what to call this if we make it a habit which i hope we will um yeah um late night bull session of the 1960s sounds good to me that uh that uh has to be reclaimed from a certain uh other podcast which used that title uh for late night episodes with me but yeah i don't know the take sellers i like because it sounds like a uh, 60s pulp fiction novel like the carpet baggers or something Um, (laughs) we're selling the takes we're selling a new york times number one take seller Mm -hmm. this week's new york's not yeah um so much uh, so much you know i I, I also want to make it so that, like, as we were discussing, um, of course, we have this is this is Jack Mason, uh, host of the Perfume Nationalist, who's joining uh, through the through the transom through this through this avant garde method of podcasting where we're not in the same in the same vicinity, uh, breathing the same air. We're we're connecting over the over the airwaves, um, uh-huh. um, much as TPN does. And you know, I was just thinking. I was just thinking when I first started listening to TPN, it was this like it 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 was the the style you do it you recorded in is mirrors exactly what everybody was kind of trapped into doing from the pandemic. Like you you and your brother are in different towns, uh, we were all kind of isolated, and in a way it was the perfect it was like the perfect simulation of or or. Uh, a continuation of social life in that time um, and it's just your natural style of the podcast but and you, you've been doing it for a year before the pandemic but it was like the uh, it really s- matched the the kind of uh, loneliness alleviation that everybody I think was in was hungry for once that's right in. it it was convenient um like when we we just started doing it remote from the beginning because we live in different cities but before that everybody was just like only in-person podcasts but then when COVID started everybody did a remote podcast and had to figure out how to do it um so yeah there are only three episodes that we've recorded in person together and uh one of them the Clarissa one, we were in the same house, but we were in different rooms for the sound. Uh, and then there's the mall, and there's the recent Dallas one, which are the like uh, on location like event episodes. But yeah, yeah, nope. it's just generally you, you, you think that you do whatever you have to do. Um, it would obviously I mean, be it's... fun to get together and record every time, but who can do that? 
Yeah, you I mean, obviously you, know, you do it really well because you like travel around the country and meet up with everyone and record in different locations, and that, that's kind of a feature and and attraction of your show is that uh, you're going on the adventures. Yeah, I realized that, and and you know how I'm I'm lucky enough to be able to get around, obviously a fair amount, uh, not as much as a not as much as a communist tech worker might, but. <laughs> relative to people who 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 barely travel at all like i just you know i can i can get around and and i will get around but also i realize that even if i don't go anywhere here in la i'm i mean i have so many places at my fingertips and i have i can drive to places and i know enough people here one way or the other or, or enough people pass through here like amanda just did uh, where I fig I figured this could actually be sustainable even if I never left LA or I never yeah, left. If you, you live know. in LA or New York, you can do it, but eh, nobody comes through Austin. <laughs> people people move here as a statement, but uh, nobody nobody drifts through with actual business. Unless it's South by Southwest, in which mm. case all the people you don't want are going to be passing yeah. through at the same yeah. time. Is that still, uh, I still like to... I I can't even um I don't even know what's going on with that since the first one early on in COVID before uh libs were totally pro COVID uh they were actually mad that South by Southwest was canceled because of it because it was canceling black women's artistic voices and there yeah, were like articles yeah it was it was it was a crime for that reason and that reason only yeah. um just a funny little time capsule. <laughs> yes. but i don't know i don't know if they had it last year i didn't notice it at all like um usually i they uh, didn't living they here didn't you notice they did no they did not you would have definitely noticed it if oh no uh, yeah you notice instantly because it's been just a massive burden the last like 20 years like it was a fun thing uh early on like in the early 2000s um me and my friends you could just drive downtown austin park downtown and then go to a bunch of like free screenings and shows like i saw the premiere of uh todd salon's palindromes at the paramount uh that was like 2003 and then subsequently as everyone knows it became this like tech nightmare uh weird thing the one thing that i really um feel like i missed out on was when yoko ono played uh, at Elysium, this like pretty small goth club that was like ten years ago, and that's like the one like Austin uh, festival thing I have regret for not attending because I just wasn't doing anything. I don't know, I I didn't notice it then. I have you? Do you have any like? I mean, you mentioned. I guess you mentioned one. Are there any other highlights from over the years of ever? You know, not even just attending, but like. Since you worked in hospitality, I'm assuming that a bunch of famous ass people passed through your, you know, your hotel or whatever during during it, and might have might have generated some kind of memorable uh, anecdote. Yeah, they would come through often. Um, often it would be just like they'd land, do their little speech, and I'd barely see them, and then they'd be gone. Um, but if they did a full property buyout which Rachel Ray always did. She was a big fan of St. Cecilia, that hotel. 
Um, they would be there for a whole week. Um, Radiohead was there for a week. They were boring and nice. Um, <laughs> just kind of like old British guys. Uh, but Rachel, Rachel Ray was fun because I got paid at one point to watch her aging pit bull. And oh my God. Uh, all, all I did was like sit in their hotel room and watch this ancient dog and uh, like read Mark Frost's uh, Twin Peaks, the return books and order oh. club sandwiches on their bill. <laughs> it was nice. And that's so. Was the aging pit bull more like a, a crusty lesbian or a you know, Izzy Boo? Like- um, she's still around. They take her everywhere. Uh, I've never like actively sat down and watched Rachel Ray's show, but they were very nice. They they party really really hard. Um, uh, they love that dog. Um, and uh. But from what my mom tells me, the dog is talked about constantly on the show. So, oh, okay. Well, the the pit bull has been a. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if this came on. Uh, this was a topic covered on TPN when it when it kind of flared up in the discourse there for a minute for a minute. This phenomenon of the pit bull as the uh, as the, the kind of yeah, like the the you know the I, I think like the pit bull as a sort of symbol which I, I see coming up in book after book I read from like the 60s and the 70s of people adopting pit bulls directly as a fuck you to society or their parents or something like the when it when it arrived when it kind of just you see offhand references to pit bulls in anything you're reading from the past it's always in association with some sort of rebellion uh often a gen x I think uh, connected Gen X sourced rebellion over something with someone who hates some level of society. Exactly. Um, no, prior to 2010, no normal person had a pit bull. I just watched Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, which I quite liked. And there was a fun little uh, line where the main girl is saying something about, like, I would sooner have a adopt a pit bull you know like as something that no one can imagine doing and i'm not certain of the entire chronology um i think it was what was that athlete Uh, michael vick there was a big controversy in the late 2000s about him like uh abusing pit bulls and he was fighting them he was fighting he was fighting them as people do uh, because yeah. before that, it was just a black thing or a rockabilly Gen X fuck you uh, thing, you know, and Gen Xers of that age, people who are about 45 now still um, kind of view pit bulls in that way sometimes. Um, but I started noticing the pit bull activism on Facebook around 2010, 2011, um, and it was like girls that I knew sharing like gory photos of abused pit bulls on the feed with like uh, angry te- blocks of text about uh, the prejudice against them. And I was like, oh, this is not going anywhere good. Um, and next thing you know, uh, every single white hipster couple has a pit bull um that they that causes tons of problems, but uh, it's kind of a stand-in for their own neuroses and anti-sexual, uh, anti-child, anti-familial uh, instincts that all like white millennial hipsters have. 
Um, when I was doing dog walking uh, between jobs at one point, I remember like the one pit bull that I had to walk all the time within five minutes had attacked another dog <laughs> and I had to like explain uh, why it had this like injury on its face. Um, mainly. So I like my thing with animals. I love animals. I've always grown up with dogs. I like dogs. I have never had anything remotely resembling a fear of dogs, even with pit bulls. And I find it really like uh, a turnoff when people are like scared of dogs. Um, however, pit bulls are just obviously an unpredictable problem and they're aesthetically gross. Uh, they look like monsters made of 10 pulsating vaginas, like everything uh, they have that big dent in their head. They have those horrible kind of like human eyes. Uh, their mouths are full of 18 horrible like seraphim, nephilim type uh, vagina things, <laughs> uh, labial folds. They have big pulsating vaginas that protrude from their bodies uh, that no one mentions. And then they also like attack babies. And then it's this this uh, neurotic stand-in for white people where they get to be like, Oh, I, the baby was looking at him wrong. He's, this is, you know, the, the owner mistreated him. There's always the tragic backstory, of course, where the, the pit bull came from the people whose race will not be mentioned. Um, it, it, it was abused somehow. And, you know, you have to send it to therapy and like give it a, feed it a very specific diet. It's this horrible, horrible habit for pathetic millennial white hipsters and it really depresses me the whole fur baby trend of the 2010s like this has got to stop until we figure out what's going on you know where it started um it's so funny because i keep bringing i keep i keep bringing up adam carolla lately because like you know he was the first podcast i ever listened to and truly one of the first that ever existed, I think, because it was like 2009 when I started listening to his podcast, he would harp daily on the indignity and on the absurdity of like the proliferation of service animals on airplanes, like in real time before anyone started to notice that this was becoming a thing. Because if you're not traveling, I mean, you, you, you barely go on, you barely fly at all, for example. And it, it may seem like I'm a, I'm a jet setter, but compared to like the average, uh, to the average kind of big city yuppie person, I, I don't, I don't travel nearly enough to like notice trends. He was noticing back in 2009, 2010, how all of a sudden every third woman was bringing an air, uh, bringing a pet on the fucking airplane with a note and being allowed to, and how this was going to just like, this was just going to completely take over everything. And of course, as per usual, he was proven correct. And that's um, really early on. That's like early in is. the fur baby trend. That's straight from California. Um, you notice straight from the California. Yeah. You, you notice the trends in hospitality really quickly, especially if it's somewhere uh, that rich people go. And um, when I worked at the hotel, it was constant um, service animal stuff, just neurotic, trembling, strange, 
uh, rich, Botoxed white women flying in from California uh, with their dog. And it would result often in extended arguments over a $25 or $50 service charge uh, for extra cleaning for the room for a pet. They would, you know, literal millionaires constantly arguing for months sometimes over $50. And they'd be like, no, it's my service animal because this trend of uh, rich neurotic women getting their animals declared by their therapist as some medical necessity um, uh, (laughs) took off from there. And with the funny, you know, when you see the full picture of it, where there's the Mexican immigrant maids who are cleaning up the dog hair for like $10 an hour, uh, and they have to spend more time on that room. And none of that $50 goes to them anyway. <laughs> but it's still this big argument over, oh, it's my service dog. Um, again, I don't mind like the presence of dogs everywhere either it's just i have this this like third eye where i can see what it means in the you know pulling out oswald spengler spenglerian vision of the waves of history and what it means for uh white middle class people in the 2010s is not good because it's just this depressing child substitute and like dogs have always been child substitutes for gays um that's yeah um yeah but now it's this uh taunting kind of deliberate humiliation where as humans rights uh get restricted one after the other under vague uh nebulous uh reasoning um or whatever social justice morality uh dogs are treated like kings and given more and more rights and more public space so now a human not to make everything about smoking cigarettes whatever um but a human cannot smoke outside the airport in high wind but a dog a fur baby has their little like uh neoliberal like piss pad area thing in airports like the austin airport um and that dogs can dogs can go anywhere in liberal cities they have the dog treats on the desk everywhere i especially hated it at my previous job because they would like hover around the fur baby treats whatever it's fine the dogs are cute but like there's a time and a place like i don't think dogs need to be in like fine dining <laughs> situations they just don't well it's here's stupid. just a you know here's just a basic uh privilege that 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 i mean again and i and like you i love dogs i've always loved dogs i grew up with a dog i had always I, loved I animals adore yeah. dogs yeah i love dogs i i was i was sort of you know if i had a it, my uh my uh performative uh, like take was that I was a dog person, not a cat person. But I'm, uh, you know what? Since because since you're I'm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just I like the social. I like the fact that dogs are slutty with their desire for approval and you know liking to be rubbed. And I like I like the warm, desperate uh, sluttiness of the dog, uh, and the the kind of standoffish individualism of the cat. 
didn't really doesn't really didn't really connect to me as a young person even though I'm politically I'm a, I'm all about the individualism as you know but it didn't really connect with me except for the case of a few different cats that really did connect with me in a deep way when you get a but good si- a good cat it connects with you forever like i had the I, best cat I get tragically it. killed early on it, you know for every great cat who basically behaves like a dog there's like nine cats who are skittish and hide under the bed and they're weird and just live with you for 12 years and you grow to like that anyway but i love cats i because of their independence and um i'm just generally kind of uh not a person who can like socialize 24 7 like i like socializing and uh, you know, a regimented kind of like compartmentalized way, but I can't do it constantly. But cats will kind of leave you alone for a while and they're just like their own characters. And they're also kind of um, questionably uh, evil and uh, connected to the dark forces and uh, um, mysterious and have their own lives. Uh, but uh, the dog thing, it, like same meme, put it perfectly when he describes uh the like there is just something observably deeply wrong in society when 22 year old single white women with email jobs uh feel the need to have a massive hulking pit bull with a tragic violent past in their like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 12 by 12 condo in a liberal city like it's just, the whole picture is so depressing especially especially when you consider that this is this is the generation of women who criminalized uh flirt flirtation human flirtation in every sphere of life who who will sense who will send a guy to the gulag for calling them sweetheart or some shit or or yeah. saying that they're beautiful and and meanwhile they've got like who've invented the phrase toxic masculinity to describe having a penis and who meantime have these toothed uh wild uh uh, uh beasts vagina hover, dentata like... massive <laughs> muscular vagina dentata things that every, are every known sp- for eating babies. <laughs> known for eating babies. And don't tell me that pit bulls, for all of their... There's no way they're not racist, too. You're telling me they're well, the one non-racist dog? The whole th- yeah. Pit bulls are the most liberal thing I can imagine. Because uh, they're the, real the, be- racists. The, <laughs> the belief in the pit bull is all dependent on how... On, like, social engineering and how you can, like, uh, change them. Uh, how they're not naturally bad and don't have any like violent instincts on their own. It's all because they were abused, um, uh, or you know had some had some kind of ambiguous tragic past. And the tragic past, ironically, is that they were like put in the yard by a black family who didn't give a fuck. Um, but that's not mentioned. <laughs> it's only white people that care about dogs like this. Um, so yeah, it's like it's this whole. Like the essence of the liberal belief in how everything must be solved by uh, therapy and social engineering uh, and like uh, money thrown at these, you know, various programs to help the self-esteem and like curate the diet of the pit bull. So it's 
it's uh mental health is at its best and it does nothing like this is every everything about the liberal project contained. does nothing it feels nothing if it, it, it has it has doesn't give a shit about the efforts you're yeah, putting it into care. its uh, mythical like, well-being because it just wants to eat, eat and sleep like that's the purpose of that that's a purpose of a dog is to eat sleep and get rubbed and they're not even happy. And these are like dogs who don't even like getting rubbed because most of them have like tra- trauma from getting whipped with a broom. And they don't. And or, they don't know. That's the thing. If you're, there's this childlike belief uh, with uh, millennials and white people in general that an animal like knows about you and cares about you. And this anthropo- yeah. like complex anthropomorphized human way. Because excessive animal worship uh, comes from this uh, juvenile resentment of human beings and from, like, your own family dynamics. Like, you, you, like Gen Xers are such big, like, vegans and vegetarians. And when someone excessively cares about the welfare of animals over people that's like such a red flag that they're a psycho that treats people very terribly and this is a thing that was so common in like my generation of like girls especially going um i care more about animals because they're innocent unlike people who are bad um, oh god yeah it, it, you know and it's the same girls who say i never want to have a baby uh, I hate children. I hate all of this. It's this childlike, um, annoying, uh, tantrum-throwing resistance to the phases of life uh, projected yeah. onto something that can't argue against you. And it's fun having them around. It's fun having animals around. They bring joy to your life. They're cute. Um, they provide a, 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 a relief from social tension because they're little comedians they're fun um but if you don't fundamentally understand that they don't give a shit that you exist uh, then you're acting like a child (laughs) right yeah it's like you have to and we invented pets for our literal amusement because it's something that i don't think everybody realizes like they weren't we invented dogs before we had, I believe, before we had horses, before we had any kind of like use of for them as uh, for practical purposes. I believe this. I believe the history is that we domesticated animals just to be just for fun, just to have like yeah. a companion uh, that that ha- that happened first. A lot of things happened for play before they happened for necessity. Uh, the the uh, cliche about in, uh, necessity being the mother of invention is often, often not true uh, for a lot of things, including also, I believe, um, uh, I don't want to say this because it might sound dumb. I might be completely wrong, but I think like even things like uh, certain, um, I mean, a a lot, this is true for a lot of inventions. I read a whole book about this years ago. Uh, Counterintuitive to what you might think. And it's definitely true. And I'm pretty sure it's true for, for, for pets and for animals in general. Um, I, I mean, the indignity of indignities at this point is that dogs don't have to wear masks. And for two years and running, everybody has had to wear masks in the public sphere. And that includes people who actually have jobs eight hours a day, such as yourself. And the 
symbolic uh, theatrical moment that that just captured it all for me was when I was at Sweet Greens, however many months ago. Of course, you have to wear a mask, and everybody's wearing a mask, and some fucking hipster had a huge dog in their arms swinging the dog over the salad bar, over the counter of the bar, as he's marching his way down and getting his stupid little uh, kale into the bowl. The, a fucking giant beast is swung over the thing, and we're all wrapped up in masks. And well, it's like... Yeah, because you're mean and bad if you feel any resistance to the idea of the dog being anywhere um or you you sense any of the uh irony of how free the dog is compared to you and compared to all the other people around you and what that means and this is what i hate about whenever i talk about fur babies whenever i talk about dogs you get characterized as this like cold unfeeling hateful person who hates animals totally not true when you look at the dichotomy between how current normal liberal people uh, view your perception of pets and how they view your perception of children literally everyone uh, from a certain income bracket and from a certain race uh says they children are annoying and they hate babies until a certain yeah. age they say all you know say all manner of antinatalist stuff the baby is not even a human <laughs> the fetus is not a human it's trash uh you can throw it away at any time and yet a fucking dog is allowed to hover over the salad bar while everybody's forced to wear a mask for something that doesn't exist and is doesn't matter just as a liberal uh, religious garment. Yeah. The totally like, uh, totally just, um, I mean, it's so infant. Like we, you can, we've been complaining about, and I say we, I mean, uh, non libs have been complaining about how society has become more and more infantilized over over with each passing year and this is such a like this is such a brazen like or brazen i don't know how the fuck do you pronounce that brazen brazen brazers brazen brazers.com brazers such a brazers yeah just a brazers membership uh it's such a it's such a uh like the way you're just uh flaunting your complete abandonment of being of of as joan didion put it in that uh, essay on feminism of adult sexual life uh, your complete incapacity to just deal with biological reality at a very basic level we're not asking much here like recognizing the difference between humans and animals is not the highest academic achievement known to our universe it's like it's just a kind of it's just kind of a basic little pillar of having a reasonable society yeah, uh, absolutely. We're not asking that much. And we're not asking it, that much. <laughs> it, like, you know, I love capitalism. I love industrialization. I'm very, like, pro-20th century. Uh, unfortunately, we've seen where it went uh, because certain things got out of control. Uh, however, 
I do think there's a large degree of just delusional, childish insanity that results from people being so removed from the reality of the production of food and what they eat uh, and all of that. Because there's this, you know, being a deranged cinephile, uh, I like all sorts of movies where they have a scene where animals are killed for real melancholy durangle apocalypse now uh come and see uh andre rublev there are all sorts of basically any like european art house uh, movie from prior to <laughs> the last 20 years as like an animal being killed and people react to this in a totally exaggerated way like they cannot even conceive this is the biggest moral sin of all time is filming an animal being killed meanwhile they all eat chicken those legless genetically engineered chickens that you know are coming in that from the tyson plant or whatever like why is it so evil to uh film the death of one for you know an immortal work of art uh wow. yeah, exactly why, why thousands of them are being slaughtered every day for your food like it's it's childish yeah. it's childish i feel like i feel like michael jackson the way like saying like ignorant that's ignorant but that's that's always stuck with me because the reaction like and uh like in pink flamingos i've always loved pink flamingos because as like a twee and kind of like npr uh, affected as john waters uh, got in the 2010s uh, pink flamingos is the one that still manages to offend everyone because of the hardcore blowjob and because of the chicken that's actually being killed during the chicken fuck scene and uh, so many people would just be like oh that crosses the line i can't believe it um i don't know i i like if you saw this happening every day on like a farm, you really wouldn't care. <laughs> well, yeah, clearly. And I'm... they're literally just like uh, blobs of meat designed by God for you to eat. I mean, listen, <laughs> that, like walk, can I, yeah. walk around without a head. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm like, like my, my uh, great grandfather, uh, the one who was. Uh, abducted and disappeared by the communists uh was a butcher and i i, I can't i i couldn't survive without meat and i but i respect i respect the people who are consistent about their revulsion of uh against eating animals and whatever like if you're i, I know a, a rabbi who is he's a no bullshit kind of guy and he's and he's a vegan for clearly spiritual reasons um very deeply felt and he's 100% consistent about it what i'm not again I, mean, what I, I'm, I, he, I like when it coincides with being racist like with Brigitte Bardot <laughs> and like Morrissey <laughs> <laughs> well racism uh, racism uh leavens so many things like racism is the ultimate uh you know the ultimate tonic um, uh, but like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not, if you're, if you're a better human than I am, that you can resist, you can resist meat, not as a performative, 
uh, like uh, selective, hypocritical, uh, f- fuck you, uh, um, you know, like self-righteousness, but as a part of like your spiritual uh, connection to the earth, I'm okay with all of that. But this, this shit where like this, f- f- <sighs> there's no way to, there's no way to describe it other than just female, um, f- female version is lifetime version uh, um, animal animal rights morality where it's just about what you see in front of you and not about not about what's out of sight out of mind and also somehow these same chicks they all hate fish because it's fishy and they all love sushi because it tastes like their boyfriend's wallet it drives me fucking nuts that all the people who like who have this strong feeling about fish and always talk about how this and that fish is fishy and have all these things about fish love 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 every single sushi restaurant they can possibly go to the more expensive the better it's kind of a digression but i'm just like there's this, these like package deals when it comes to you know, eating animals and food is drives me nuts mm. That, like, status-based dietary preference thing drives me crazy, too. Uh, One one thing that I always think of, there was, like, that picture circulating around Twitter today, or uh, this week, rather, of, like, a completely raw steak, uh, like, bloody and gelatinous, and and it said, like, this is how your steak should be cooked. And, like, I, I... love everything i like a rare steak as one does but the way that rare rare steak has become this like status and class symbol for a certain type of noxious lib like you know when like they would always flip out about like trump with the well-done steak Oh yeah. Um, yeah. i just saw a tweet about that i just saw (laughs) none of these bug people if they didn't know that it was sophisticated to eat a rare steak would naturally gravitate toward that. None of them. It's an entirely no, no, no. like status. Because I remember, preference. yeah, hundred percent. I remember very distinctly what the like. First of all, in the nineties, there were so many. You know, this was the age, still the age of the food pyramid that that I grew up in heavily. I mean, we're, you did too. We're I'm a, we're almost the same age, but I'm a little I'm bit still older. Living in it, baby. Oh yeah, well, I'm still I mean, we're on all, that I mean, pyramid. Yeah, that pyramid is still like a lot of people are like boomers. A huge percentage <laughs> of boomers are still fucking living in this inside the pyramid. They have some kind they're of Egyptian. They're all living inside it. They're they all living inside die if you it. Don't like eat for every like three hours. <laughs> they like they to me the mystery. The mystery isn't who built the Egyptian pyramids. The mystery is like how did people buy this fucking food pyramid? Well, we know how it happened. It was propaganda colluded collusion between like the corn industry and fucking and the government but uh the way it just lingers on and on and on is fascinating uh where was i gonna go where was i going with this okay but, oh yeah but I, right, with you. go ahead go i've ahead. had this perverse uh just tangent i've had this perverse uh uh affection for breakfast recently just watching mm. like old media where they're constantly eating huge breakfasts like this is yeah. essential you know when i was a kid this was depicted as totally essential the second you wake up you have yeah. to eat a massive carb loaded breakfast or your brain will die and yeah. uh you know <laughs> like the last 
like no one my age eats breakfast anymore now. Everybody basically just kind of like fasts until lunch. But lately I've just as a retro thing been really enjoying the idea of just like breakfast with a big fucking stack of toast with butter and like orange juice mm. and like you feel like shit as you go about yeah, your day. Yeah, insta- it's instantly <laughs> like, it it poisons your entire day from the start. <laughs> It's like you wonder how the fuck did an entire generation like pass through this method? I mean, and by the way, if you eat, if you eat like I'm as you know I'm keto and so I eat I actually eat massive breakfasts but with just eggs and meat and cheese. Mm. And so I make myself a giant ass omelet uh with 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 a bunch of cheese and meat in it and olives surrounding it, like avocados if I have any. And I and I that's like that carries me through till dinner. Uh, like that's my lunch and breakfast. So I'm I'm all about, like I'm all about a lavish breakfast that doesn't include the carbs. But if you include the yeah. carbs and or as is the case with many people, if your breakfast consists of nothing but muffins and croissants, oh my like it God. does with many people. You're, those I don't orange know. I mean, Otis Spunkenmeyer muffins from the rest. Those joint. With a giant glass of yeah, with a giant glass of orange juice, which literally has more sugar than Coke. There there was a scene in a movie I watched recently. I think it was like one of the Halloween sequels from the mid '90s, and the the teenage daughter goes, "I'm not eating anything today," and she's has a giant glass of milk and she's eating a massive muffin, and the mother is like, (laughs) the mother is like scolding her for being anorexic, (laughs) like. (laughs) <laughs> this is how it used to be. And I guess like bo- boomers, just, they lucked out with everything. They got better yeah. food quality. So their bodies weren't mutated as early. Um, yeah. And also, you know, my crackpot theory is that um, everyone was a little like speeded up from living in an atmosphere of ambient nicotine where it was everywhere, even if you didn't smoke. So I think that kind of helped people. Um, it must have. I think that's yeah. a great theory. I think it's a great yeah, theory. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's true. And they all grew to hate smoking, and look what happened. Now they're now they're on these like still like tragic dated like low fat diets, and they still think you'll die if you don't eat every three hours. And um, it's just such a disaster. Everything diet related, like the fact that um, like anorexia was this fake holocaust oh god this imaginary yeah, feminist holocaust shit. where teenage girls would uh see a calvin klein ad and then they would be hypnotized into killing themselves by starving and that six million girls a year were killed this way <laughs> this was sold to everyone in the 90s by like naomi Wolf i remember it very whoever, clearly the beauty myth and it was total bullshit and because of that um Nobody could conceive of not eating for like a day uh, until the popularity of intermittent fasting in the last few years, which is quite easy. And, you know, everyone knows you can get a lot of energy from it, Um, but it had to come back in this new way as fasting. Uh, Yeah, it has to come back. Yeah, yeah, not anorexic. Yeah, it's the same fucking shit. And it's like it's it's probably because of what we've learned about you know the the uh the hazards of 
muffin giant muffins and a glass of milk <laughs> it doesn't even include that stuff so by by if we if you were to show the intermittent fasting diet to the 90s they would lock you up with a straitjacket like it's it's not it's oh not God. just like boomers literally they they would send you off for your standardized test and they would be like you have to eat a massive breakfast or else your brain will not function for this standardized test that you're about to take <laughs> You just have to, yeah, and you have, you're massive, and the way, like, the the perfect image of the massive breakfast is, like, this, the at the end of every cereal commercial where they're selling you a bowl of sugar as something that's a, par, a part of a complete breakfast, and then they show it on a tray <laughs> with, like, 15 other items. You know what I bought a, the, a couple days ago? I bought some Carnation Instant Breakfast. <laughs> which oh, they I used to love they, it. I used which to they love na- that. Nothing is as delicious. Okay, nothing. It's the fucking chocolate shake. It, it, yeah, it's, it's a, a chocolate, chocolate shake, fucking shake. Yeah, it's it's We're... so good. It, yeah, it's, yeah, I know. It's like the most. It's more delicious than just like regular chocolate milk or anything else. It's like salty. oh yeah. And, I don't. Yeah, it's, uh, you I have loved the, the it. packaging telling you that it's like healthful and wonderful, and it's like a fucking oh my cho- god chocolate sugar somehow packet. yeah. That totally, they totally trick you. So I was, I was raised in a very quote unquote health conscious environment, meaning by women. And uh, so on one side of the family, go, you know, they're, they're both gourmands in the, in the Armenian sense, they all cook and they're into, you know, the, there's deep, deep, deep rooted uh, cooking and, you know, uh, uh, succulent uh, flavors and everything. But one side was, quite in disregard of all this bullshit. Um, and the other side was very conscious of things like and the side that I was under, you know, that kind of took care of me through the week. My, my grandma on that side was super, super psyoped by these salt and the, the anti-salt and the anti-cholesterol oh, yeah. and the, all this shit. They completely bought such things as instant breakfast, hook, line, and sinker. Like, hook, line, and sinker, there was absolutely no restriction on that. I remember having it the first time. It was, like, fifth grade or something, and I was like, fuck, this is so good. And I had, and, so good. and there was no healthy. restrictions on that. Yeah, it's, so it's merely Look, protein it's to, to provide it's, the energy yeah. for your day. Yeah. Fiber. Um, the the salt thing is really <laughs> funny. You always see that in movies where there's a, a scene of, like, a hectoring wife, like, scolding oh. an old man for wanting salt on his food and yeah she's like no you can't but meanwhile they're eating like you know some weird kind of like diet toast and diet pure garbage <laughs> shit that's a slop it's like a plate full of shit garbage like hospital garbage like potato starch shit and and they're and they're riding his ass no for trying to flavor it no. with salt yeah and you properly I don't know if I, there was a you, you made this comment recently a couple weeks ago where like it triggered it and I was like, oh, yeah, I really do think there is a large dose of sadistic glee in the old battered wife who's who's depriving her aging husband of salt in his final days on this earth. Like just the way he snatches away (laughs) when he's finally retired and all he, and and the the man just needs talk about Lindy. Like it's the first flavor we've ever had as a human species is Uh salt. And you just see snatching away the salt shaker. uh, And um, and again, 
love her to death. My grandmother's another example of this. One where she's so, so freakish about salt. And there was a fake salt. Remember? There was a fake oh, salt that's the only that thing Larry I've ever King... had an allergic reaction to. I, you know, I don't believe in saltine allergies. or some shit. No, it, I Do don't believe in called? being allergic to anything. And it, it, my mom had some of that, and I my face like swelled up. <laughs> like, that has to, to be on, sheer but... point. Like, what the fuck was that? What I is mean, fake that was salt? something that it was. It was something that fucking Larry King shilled on talk radio. <laughs> All the time, and it was called something like Zaltine or something like it was like it had a it had a Z started with a Z sounded like salt, and it was a salt substitute, so like diet salt. I, can you imagine what poison that shit was? Like that that well, has to be worse than anything. Come to ever. think of it, when I had COVID, it felt much like when I ate diet salt. Um, like, <laughs> like COVID. Felt literally like a microchip implanted in you, like it feels like a synthetic virus rather than something organic, organic uh, occurring in nature. Um, yeah, and it wasn't unpleasant. Like the you know the my month with COVID was the happiest month of my life because I could finally watch movies and the symptoms weren't that bad. But it did just feel like something nightmarishly lab grown. Uh, like yeah. far beyond anyone's imaginings of aspartame or Sweetenlow, whatever. Um, but that's what fake salt, the one time I tried it. And I just smelled it. And my face, I was like, what's going on with my face? My mom was like making fun of me. Like, there's nothing wrong with yeah. you. But no, I felt my <laughs> fucking face swelling up for the first time ever. And I'm not allergic to anything. God, I, I hope you can protect your father from being subject to fake salt or limited salt because i i that's that is one of the most the biggest bullshit things going around right now i mean I, maybe maybe like there's a certain condition or whatever where salt is truly bad for you i'm not a fucking doctor but this is it's it's truly like one of the most one of the fakest psyop health psyops of all time and and it's the reason why i was able to so easily do keto is because oh all of a sudden, if I can put salt, if I can eat salty foods, like I love almonds and shit like that, if I can eat, I'm fine giving up sweet stuff. Like I like my yeah. certain sweet stuff, but if Me you can too. get, if I can have salty shit, I'll, I'm perfectly okay with it. Like to sub, sub, subsist on salt. Yeah, I would it's always the best thing ever. Real food uh, over sweets, and I, yeah. I like sweets. I unfortunately you know, am a black hole that consumes everything. And I, I like the entire sensory human experience and all food, yeah. and all smells and every single thing. But uh, sweets are one of the easiest things for me to give up. <laughs> yeah, they're like, it's like, a, there's a sense in which it's like, okay, it's a birthday treat when you're a kid. Like, I, you know, it's like, I don't need... I know some people are just like fiends when it comes to sweets and, and they, yeah, they're addicted my to boyfriend them the way, does. you know. Yeah, he loves sweets <laughs> and I, you know, I, I think it's cute. I think it's cute the way that he loves them. But like, I would always, if I were on death row, I would just want the full, like, uh, the pot of macaroni and cheese and like a steak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, don't say my, yeah. Well, uh, and then they won't let, don't say macaroni and cheese because you know, like, my, you're not allowed to. My all time favorite food. It sucks. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I know. I mean, it, I can kill myself good. with pasta like Streganona yeah. so easily. Like yeah. like fucking Grand Buffet, but it's just all <laughs> macaroni and various mm-hmm. kind with different cheeses and shit. Yeah. yeah, they're all. It's always good. It's always good when they mix it with shit. It's always good when they put lobster in it or truffle this or whatever. And, or like, ba- the, like the the literal sensation of pasta, like going down your throat and kind of like choking you like that's yeah. so pleasurable <laughs> like yeah you know. because it's it it simulates a sort of like uh you know human centipede like like endless <laughs> like you're just hooked up to it and you yeah. can just take <laughs> that's it what until Chipotle you feels explode. like to me you know because it's just these big pellets of food and you either like the taste of Chipotle or you don't. Um, I happen to really like the taste of it, uh, but oh yeah, when I you mean, eat it, what's there not to like? When you eat it, it just feels like consuming this like human centipede, like yeah. big pellet of just like gerbil yeah. food, just slop, like, just fucking yeah. slop. Like it's like in it's like in all those fairy tales where they would refer, reference porridge. Where uh, a food that doesn't exist in real life, apparently, I, I don't know what the fuck. I never knew what porridge was. I would always like. I would. Uh, there's also something called gruel that I think only exists in cartoons because I'd never would. I never. I'd never I seen think gruel. People just used to eat like trash and like just in rind, a pot. You know, rinds whatever was left, like anything in yeah. a pot, which I do too. But you know, but I like still don't I know what the today, fuck. porridge like, is supposed. Right, you ate. You just put, yeah, like the the uh, cutting room floor meal. <laughs> no, like, like I, I literally do it because, like, throughout the week, I'll have whatever's in the fridge and um, uh, just like think I'm, I'm gonna cook some eggs, and you know, uh, these eggs suddenly have like garbanzo beans and like blue cheese or whatever, <laughs> and then just like I'm using up whatever. Today it was garbanzo like beans and uh, red onions, and honestly, it was quite good. I mean, it, a lot of shit works with eggs if you could just like yeah, if, eggs are just like a base, about, yeah, yeah, and it's and it tends to be and it, it tends to be quite healthy if that's the base. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm poor. The thing that porridge was always something that <laughs> stuck in my mind because I it's it's a it's presented in a wholesome cozy way it's not a negative gruel is negative gruel is like what they eat in prison uh the fictional cartoon food they eat in prison porridge is the fictional cartoon food they eat in uh, goldilocks eats and the bears and all this shit and i never don't the closest i could come to it was oat, oatmeal and so i had this I just like imagine bad watery oatmeal yeah bad water and it's like why why are why are the why is goldilocks risking her life for this shit like uh, it seems like a bit much, and and yet I was I desired it because you know it was, it was ra- it was rammed in my into my head through literature. I, uh, you know, uh, I have such vivid memories of like any time food is mentioned in literature, like uh, it, we talked recently about the club sandwich and scruples. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a scene in Scruples when on her cheat day, she eats a club sandwich with double mayonnaise. And I think about that every day. And I have eaten probably five club sandwiches since then. Um, Honestly. Oh, also, the I, I Turkish eat... delight in Narnia. In Narnia, um, that too. And I never liked <laughs> And you I... don't know what it is. <laughs> like You don't know you... what it is. It also is close to home because Turkish delight. 
I don't like Turkish delight, but I can I love never it. get that. I love out of anything my mind. rose, rose water. Like it's all like exotic. You know, I love any kind of like old school Indian temple of doom exotica like that. Um, I absolutely love the actual Turkish delight, but as a kid, you can't picture what that must be. And in the seventies animated version, uh, she, I love that. She gives Edmund that like steaming glass (laughs) and they still call it Turkish delight, but it's actually, Oh wait, is that animated? Yeah. There was an animated one that was really sick. You know, I didn't see that. I saw the one that was a uh, live action old, but like old, but like you know, not the not the fancy yeah, one they like made. Yeah, the like '80s one. It was on like a two VHS set. I remember that. Yeah, one. I had the whole set. I had the whole Narnia, all of the videos, and the witch was like this. I remember loving it. That those videos. I, I, I love remember everything loving Narnia. Yeah, I haven't seen the most I, recent but I, movies, but I, I love everything Narnia. I found the most recent. I saw the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe whenever it came out, and I found it like whatever i you know i'm like i'm i'm so unmoved by the this is this is trite obviously because like this is like marvel movies but i just like once like it's just like what they do with poirot now they've coming out with these new poirots like um uh they're the the latest is death on the nile they came out with murder and orient express with the famous big famous cast and it's all horse shit like action movie masquerading as the same that same as they did with sherlock holmes with robert downey jr and stuff and i'm like i like the Give me the BBC versions of all of this. Oh, yeah. These are lifeless, soulless, uh, just like uh, little cartoon versions that aren't actually cartoons. And it really, it, it, they rub me the wrong way. I don't think Narnia was that bad, but I'm just saying, like, I was like, nah, was, I'd rather I watch mean, the it was 80s. like late 2000s, and uh, it, we've been forced into the, into the weird position of defending... Um, like the big 2000s epics like that like lord of the rings set the prototype and i like lord of the rings i like the peter jackson movies i saw them in the theater they were all really fun um but now all of that has been you know uh, called problematic because it just has Mm. white men in it and they have to release the new version with with fat black women or whatever Mm-hmm. Um and uh Narnia is well, obviously fix it in post. Pro- they, Narnia is obviously can... problematic because it's Christian, uh, which I even right. would hear uh hints of that in like the nineties when I was a kid and I was really into it, like people very vindictively mentioning that it was Christian. Did you know that yeah. it's Christian? Did you know it's you're Christian? being sold a bill of goods, you're being sold Christianity under this fun fantasy stuff. Um but so is Lord of the Rings, though. Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's from what I know. Hundred you know, percent intentionally. But they're mad. Women feminists have always been mad about Lord of the Rings because it doesn't have women in it, and that's why it's so fun and oh, uh, that's, appealing. Yeah. Well, that's neither does a monastery. Like that's why. Yeah. Well, no, no not, but, but that's not allowed to exist. Uh, in all right. male space, it's not allowed to exist, even if you're like saving the world or whatever, and it's totally made up. He's trying to save hobbits, man's soul. Yeah. You know, a woman has to be lording over it with the with the eye of Sauron. Uh, Toxic sanctity. Uh, yeah, really. You you have to be looking to a woman for moral approval, and then beyond that, you have to be looking to a frizzy haired fat black woman for the ultimate moral approval 
uh, because she knows everything and she is so wise. So obviously this is all really dumb. But The problem is that she's often too tired to give you the approval you seek. She's too tired. She doesn't have the time. She Leave does, her alone. This is not her job to the not trifling, silly things that white people be doing. This is not her job. Ain't got no time for so, any of that mess. Yeah, what nightmare is worse than like being like a dead white male and seeing uh, <laughs> these media conglomerates like uh, take the your intellectual properties and like fill it with uh, gender goblins and uh, the cast of Orange is the New Black and just uh, it just I hope they can't see it from heaven. You hope that they, you hope that they're able to like, yeah, you hope that like C.S. Lewis can like put on a filter uh, where he perceives all, all manner of product, all manner of like remakes of his work and productions of his work in a, in a, in a form that can, that pleases him and he just doesn't have to know. Because on the one hand, we want there to be an afterlife. We want him to be, we want him to be in heaven. We want him to be see like knowing what's going on, but we don't want him to see this. You know, like yeah. it's a weird, it's a weird, but, di- it's a weird place we're in in terms of what we're hoping for now. Because like, on the we do want the we want eternity to be real. We don't want it, the dead to see this. But the point with what they do with those intellectual properties is to dance on the grave of the person who invented it, and it's you know a satanic inversion of morality it's the entire point is is public humiliation because you know uh, c.s lewis was christian enough in his public life uh tolkien was christian enough in his public life that he has to be ritualistically humiliated after his death by seeing things that sprung from his own mind defaced with savages so that's what's happening yeah, and also, you know, let's, I mean, uh, I don't want to bring up, uh, you know, the other, the other factor here as to who's, who's profiting from these, uh, these uh, uh, non-Christian oh, yeah. remakes, but, who is profiting, who is pulling the get... puppet strings, on that but note, you know the be- uh, the... can I, can yeah. we go, I'm going to take a little break. I'm oh, yes. Smoke a take a break. When we come back. Yeah. When we come back, we'll continue. Who this is pulling the strings? We'll get to the pulling bottom of the it. strings and the, and the big and the great question of the group chat. We'll also discuss. <laughs> okay. After this back. break. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go ahead.